All right, welcome in episode seven of Bird Droppings. Today, talking Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and their little public spat of last week. Here we go. All right, so first off, I'm going to start off by inserting the audio from Nick Saban. I've cut it down a little bit, cut away some of the fat. This is what he said that fired up people like Jimbo Fisher and people like Deion Sanders at Texas A&M and at Jackson State, respectively. The issue and the problem with name, image, and likeness is coaches trying to create an advantage for themselves. I went out and said, okay, how could we use this to our advantage? They created what's called a collective. All right, a collective is an outside marketing agency uh, that's not tied to the university, that's funded by alumni from the university. And they give this collective millions of dollars. And that marketing agency then funnels it to the players. Uh, and the coach actually pr- knows how much money's in the collective, so he knows how much he can promise every player. That's not what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. That's what it's become, and that's the problem in college athletics right now. And now every player is saying, well, what am I going to get? But now in recruiting, we have players in our state that grew up wanting to come to Alabama that they won't commit to us unless we say we're going to give them what somebody else is going to give them. So I told our players, I said, we're going to have a collective, but everybody's going to get the same amount of opportunity from that collective. Now, you can go earn however much you want. And I tell the recruits the same thing, because our job is not to buy you to come to school here. Now, I know that we're going to lose recruits because somebody else is going to be willing to pay them more. But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So when I hear this, my immediate reaction is Nick Saban is never the guy to start something like this. He's never the one to name another program, to instigate. He may complain. He may get rule changed. He may vaguely mention a group of teams or whoever. But he's never out here. He's never out here being accusing an individual or a team or a program 
And this is bold. This is really bold. But what can we take away from it? Because if you look on Twitter, or you listen to the nearest Alabama fan in your life, you'll hear the same things that we've heard before when he's made statements about whether it be the hurry-up-no-huddle offense, spread offense, the transfer portal. He's talked about name, image, and likeness before. And there's some in the national media that, that say this as well. And it's always, oh, Nick Saban's warning you. He's warning you. Last time he warned you about spread offenses. Then he went and got one, and he started hanging 50 on people. Then he started having receivers go in the first round every single year. Then he started having NFL caliber first round quarterbacks. They'll say that. And then and then with the transfer portal, they'll also say, Hey, look at what he's doing now. Eli Ricks, potential first round pick at corner. Jameer Gibbs, potentially the best running back in the SEC, depending on where you look was the best running back in the ACC last year. Look, he's 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 cherry-picking. The rich get richer. He's figured it out. He's figured it out, and that's what he's going to do. He's warning you about NIL. He's, he's going to figure out a way to do it better than everybody else. And, you know, personally... I view this as somewhat of a lazy take. That's not how I see these comments by Nick Saban. Because when you look at the hurry up, no huddle, the spread offense, yeah, he ran a pro-style offense before he switched. But there was there was no limit on him switching over, and so that's what he did. Everybody was fairly on the same ground. It was Gus Malzahn's offense's that gave him some fits that I think really swayed Nick Saban to decide, you know what, maybe maybe, maybe I need to quit relying on the defense to hold somebody below 17, and maybe maybe I can make it easier on them if, if the offense is out there scoring 40-plus. And so he went and got that spread offense. Started recruiting to that offense. And sure enough, pretty much right around Jalen Hurts, the offense started to take off. Started to go to a different level. Then he had Tua. He was unbelievable. Ascended that much more. Then Mac Jones kept it right there. And then Bryce Young just won a Heisman Trophy. And again, had a first-round receiver. The fifth one in three years. And we've seen what he's done in the transfer portal already. We've seen that. Henry Toto. He's just Jameson Williams. He's went and he's found missing pieces and he's filled in really well and he's filled some holes on his roster with extremely talented, extremely vital pieces. I mean, if Jameson Williams doesn't get hurt. Maybe talking about him winning another national championship. But what about NIL? 
I mean, sure. Alabama's crazy enough about football. Their fan base loves it so much. Depending on what other fan bases you talk to on Twitter, they might tell you it's the only thing they talk about. It's the only thing they care about. I don't think that's fair. But they're crazy enough to care a lot about it. They're crazy enough to pour a lot of resources into it. They can do name, image, and likeness at an extremely high level. But Nick Saban and, and Kirby Smart have been the two out here voicing a lot of concerns in the SEC with name, image, and likeness. With with the fact that it needs to be reined in. Heck, if those two had it their way, we would go back to the way that it was before. But people are taking Nick's comments as a threat. Where I think for the first time, I think there's a little bit of fear there. Because as great as Alabama can be at leveraging NIL, as great as Georgia can be at leveraging NIL, pick any school, literally any school, your pockets aren't as deep as Texas saying that. Your pockets aren't as deep as Texas. You want to talk about two crazy fan bases too? Two fan bases that I bet won't be afraid to use resources to win, especially in this new landscape, especially in a world where you can leverage name, image, and likeness. Yeah. There, you can be as good as you as a program can possibly be at leveraging NIL at Alabama. And Texas A&M could still beat you. And that's, that's why I think these are being, these comments are being said. I think that there is a, there is a, Potential crack in the dynasty of Nick Saban and the budding dynasty that Kirby Smart could have that I think both of these guys see. That's why you have comments about Nick Saban talking about parody, talking about the way that was, talking about the way that there needs to be guidelines, things need to be almost rolled back. Because everybody knows Texas and Texas A&M, if they do it right, can do it better than everyone. And I'm not sure it's that close. That's what oil money does for you. So while everybody's taking it as a threat, I'm taking it as I think he's nervous. I think there's a little bit of fear that maybe in this new landscape it's not as easy to dominate. Now, less than 24 hours later, Jimbo Fisher <laughs> calls a press conference the next morning. And he responds. And oh boy, did he respond. 
and I'm gonna. It's a lengthy clip, but I've cut again. I've cut the fat. I've cut it down as much as I can, but I feel like it's necessary to put the whole thing in here for context. So here it is. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous, but when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families. And Texas A&M, because we do things right, we're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to set at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way and will continue to do things the right way. I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. A couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when to. When you got all the advantages, uh -huh. it's easy. And I just wanted to. Uh, just put it point blank. So, no players in your – you're saying that no players in There's the There's no bylaws no of anything any we ever promised, done, anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas, and it's insulting to say a 17-year-old in his family broke laws. No. You know, you all have both spoken so highly of each other in the past in terms of what you all have done in your previous relationship. So, how disappointing was it to hear that from him, you know, in terms of – you know, a mentor type to you it's as disappointing. well. No, I wasn't. No, listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I ain't went back and worked for him. 
with opportunities. But this is about our players and Texas A&M and the people at Workfare and the coaches here. That's what this is about. And make a mistake. We're not going anywhere. We have still a lot of work to do. We're not where we want to be. This is going to be a great program, and we're building it into a great program. The operation and tactics of certain people who say them, and anybody who coach with him know them, anybody out there in this business knows it, amazing. It's amazing, wasn't it? To the left, Rob. When you walk on water, I guess it don't matter. Because I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide, and our program has nothing to hide. It'd be interesting if everybody could say that. And that's the truth. Well, you, listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. You can, you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie. Because I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Yeah, that's one you. thing you don't. Now you're fooling with their name. That don't, if you're fooling with Texas A&M's name, you're saying with those kids' name and our name. I'll put it with any of them. Front left, Olin. Uh, Coach SEC. I, I ain't into that. I wasn't raised that way. Coach, what do, you, what do you say to your players about something like this? Keep doing the right things and believe in yourself. And, I, and I'm sorry that people say those things about you. But I will defend you because I know nothing was wrong. That's what it's about. Talking about setting examples for players and creating value and all, that, all those good, you know, talks we have, he has. You know what I mean? Live it. I just know that what we did – was nothing wrong, was not done the wrong way, nothing was promised, nothing was deal, and we didn't buy every we didn't buy any players. You've been in this business a long time. A seen, long time. And seen it's, a it's, lot it's, of things. It's disgusting to what we're into right now. Right. Especially by the people who are throwing the darts. Who have no glass in their house. So my question was, is this the most upset, disappointed, angry you've been about something in your coaching career? It's despicable for what it does for the sport. And the operations, the way things were done the other way, when the parity was there, like we said, never has been parity. Certain people never followed the rules anyway. Now, my immediate response to this, when it, I watched it when it happened, and I saw the earth shaking on social media. We've never seen this. We've never seen somebody go scorched earth like this. Against another coach, against another team, we've see, we've somewhat seen what Saban basically said before. Like that's not that surprising. Another school accusing another of cheating. That's happened before, but we've never seen somebody go this hard. And basically say, hey, go dig in that dude's past. He's despicable. He's a narcissist. And Jimbo Jimbo had like a list of the hits that he just kept hitting. And it was, look at how despicable Nick Saban is. He's a narcissist. He's God. He can walk on water in college football. About how this is personal. He was getting himself more fired up the longer he went. He was cutting reporters off trying to ask questions. He he pulled the classic, these are just kids, which is fair. Also, before I forget, Jimbo Fisher knows how collectives work. Don't let him play dumb 
every coach in America that is at a school with a collective operating in the NIL space, in some capacity, I promise you they have made an effort to learn about what it is, what it does, and how it affects their players. If they're not, if they're not looking into something that directly affects their program and their players and the players that are in that program, then they're being dumb. Then they're not doing their due due diligence to make sure they're looking after their players. So Jimbo Fisher can sit there and tell you he doesn't know who runs the collective at Texas A&M. He can sit there and tell you he doesn't know how it works, how it operates, yada, yada, yada. That's a load of baloney. And I will I would say it to Jimbo Fisher's face. I know he's got a weird thing about people calling him a liar, which come on. Can't tell me you've never lied, Jimbo, in your life. It's outrageous. Either you're not doing your job, not knowing what the collective at Texas AM is doing and how it affects your players in your program, or you just lied in a Big old statement where you spend all this time talking about you aren't a cheater, you'll you'll never be called a cheater, you won't be called a liar, you've never lied. You you learned how to do it the right way from Bobby Bowden. And not that Nick Saban guy, because he's despicable. I mean, come on. That, that's a joke. Especially when you got clips on Twitter going around today. Of Jimbo Fisher waiting an hour after the 2018 National Championship game to congratulate Nick and four minutes of him talking about what a great guy he is, what a great person he is, how great of a coach he is. I mean, come on. Sure, you were with him for years, you've known him for decades. And don't give me the, well, I could have gone back and worked for him. Sure you could have. But you took a great opportunity at FSU. And at the time, at the time, taking the opportunity at FSU, you can make the argument. That was a safer place to go than with Nick Saban, Alabama. Nick Saban, Alabama was, was going to succeed. Yeah. By Bowden is older, could have opened the and opened the door for the head coach and waiting tag that we saw later. Had been there for decades. Success for decades. Rather than somebody coming back to college football, back from the NFL, having to do a rebuild. Now, it's worth looking at. There are trends that jump out as a little fishy with Texas A&M with recruiting, especially un- under Jimbo Fisher. But first, let's 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 look at Jimbo Fisher's recruiting at FSU, at a place that was already built up and sustained. He'd been there. The transition of power was fairly easy because he'd been there. The continuity was somewhat. Kept intact because he'd been there after Bobby Bowden. Here are Jimbo Fisher's recruiting class finishes at FSU as a head coach.
from 2010 to 2017. 8th, 2nd, 4th, 11th, 4th, 3rd, 3rd, and 6th. Was the number one ACC recruiting class every single year of his tenure. But then, he goes to Texas A&M. To the SEC, that's a different animal, because you've got Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn. I mean, heck, now you got Kentucky up there, Missouri up there, Ole Miss up there, Florida was up there. And in 2018, his first season at A&M, 17th, which... Not a full cycle. Not going to blame him for where zero five stars, 13 four stars, 10 three stars. The sixth best class in the SEC. Okay. Year two, 2019. Fourth overall class, two five stars, 13 four stars, 11 three stars. The third best class in the SEC. That's coming off a nine and four season. Then in 2020, he has the sixth best class, two five stars, 13 four stars, 11 three stars, fourth best class in the SEC. 2021, eighth best class, one five star, 15 four stars, seven three stars, the fourth best class in the SEC. And his first three years, he was nine and four, eight and five, nine and one. Now, we're giving him the pass for the, for the first class. He's recruiting well. Heck, you could argue he's recruiting as good as he was at FSU as the, when he was the premier recruiting power in that conference. But he still hadn't cracked the top two in the SEC. Okay? Well, what about 2022? 2022, he has the number one class in the country. He signs eight five stars, 19 four stars, and three three stars. Best class in the SEC, obviously. Coming off an eight and four year. What changed? It's it's definitely like if it's an emoji, is the eyeball emoji, and you know that the NIL. NIL went into effect. And it it's fishy. And so it's it's not shocking that somebody brought it up. It's shocking Saban did, but it's shocking it's not shocking that somebody brought it up. Now I know he's coming off an eight and forty year, and if you look on Twitter, well well Nick Saban well, Nick Saban had the number one recruiting class after going seven and six. Well, one, that's a lie. In 2008, he had the number three class. Yes, he was seven and six in 2007. But the difference is that Saban's first class. Saban's just building Alabama. Jimbo Fisher is going into year five. It's not class two. This is class five. That's different. And any comparison to 08 Alabama's class, 
2022 Texas A&M's class is lazy. That's weak. And you know it. But, okay. Let's look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban, 2007, 12th best class. 2008, third best class. 9, third best class. 10, fourth best class. Then he's the number one class for seven straight years. Then he dips to fifth, then he's back up to one in 2019. He's back up, to, or he's back down to two in 2020. Then he's the best class in 2021, the second best class in 2022. Okay. Over that span, Nick Saban has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten SEC championships. And one, two, three, four, five, six national championships. And he already had a national championship at LSU. Jimbo Fisher, in his in his time at Texas A&M, went nine and four, eight and five, nine and one, eight and four. The best finish was fifth. At least you can look at Alabama and see that. When his rec- when Nick Saban's recruiting picked up from twelve to one in the first five years, much like much like Jimbo Fisher did, Saban's first first five years seven and six, twelve and two, fourteen and zero national championship, ten and three, and then going into year five, twelve and one, he already had a national championship. He already been to the SEC championship twice. The concept was already there. It was already built out. That's a heck of a lot easier to explain than you having to tell me that the Texas A&M team that finally beat Alabama went 8-4. and four? Legitimately, you can make an argument it somehow took a step back from the year before. Come on. You serious? Comparing Nick Saban's recruiting pre-NIL to the jump that Jimbo just had, it's not comparable. Saban had proven that he had built a championship program. Jimbo Fisher, they still haven't won in the division, much less the conference, much less the national championship. They haven't gotten an invite to the exclusive club of the college football playoff. So, Jimbo can get all fired up and be angry and yell and do all that noise and look foolish in the process. And I get it. He has to He has to deny. He has to protect his players. He has to protect his program. He has to protect Texas A&M, the school. I get it. And he should. But... Coming to the table saying, dig into his past. How about you dig into God's past? See what God's been doing. How he walked on water. How he got there. That's goofy, man. That's dumb. If you're going to make those claims, just come out and say it. Also, can't help but feel the reason why you didn't come out and say it. After allegations were made on the other side that were specific... 
after those allegations were made, and then you give some vague bullcrap, I think you're worried that when people go dig in the past, and they go dig into his previous staffs, well, your name's there. And, you know, right or wrong, people do have a tendency to have a little bit of guilt by association. And so, you I mean, you were there. As in, we got, we got video proof that as recently as four years ago, talking about how, how great a guy he is, you're there to congratulate him for a national championship. Come on, man. This is a joke. This is a joke. This whole thing is stupid. It's it's one coach that's finally nervous. He's losing the grip. Losing the grip that he's had on college football for 15 years. And he probably put his foot in his mouth. He came back on SiriusXM and he's like, Oh, I shouldn't have singled out another program. Really, obviously. And then it's another coach who has a little bit of um, an ego in the aspect that, like, you, and he's a little sensitive that you can't come at him and not get some vicious response back. Some over-the-top, dramatic, ridiculous response back. And then, plus, also, we got to keep in mind, if Jimbo Fisher somehow were, if, if we were to acknowledge that it was NIL that built Jimbo Fisher's program, his number one class, and then, say, Texas a and over the next three, four years goes on to win a championship, well... Was it Jimbo? Or was it NIL and Deep Pockets in College Station, Texas? Right or wrong, that conversation would happen. And I think that there is fragility in Jimbo Fisher's ego that it's well, we we hold ourselves with high standards. We do everything the the right way, and we've we've never we've never taken a step down the wrong path ever. We've never strayed from the from the straight and narrow path. And he would be having to admit something that we all know is true. Something that I think that Brian Harson at Auburn had to learn this past year. That Kirby Smart talks about openly in the media, especially go look back at his post-game press conference after they beat Florida. Recruiting's what matters. It's the talent on the field. It doesn't matter as much who the coach is. You can't win in the SEC with just scheme. You gotta have the dudes. And so my thought is that maybe Jimbo's afraid what the perception of him as a coach would be. 
if everybody believed that NIL went and bought him the number one class in the country. I'm not saying it did. I'm saying it's fishy. I'm saying that Nick Saban, who previously had the greatest class of all time, in his 15 classes at Alabama, his 16 classes, the most five stars he ever signed was seven. He's had the number one class nine times. Jimbo Fisher, on the other hand, signed six one six five stars one year at Florida State. Before last year, has never been higher than second in that he was in 2011 at FSU. The SEC has never been higher than the fourth best class. It's never cracked the top two of the SEC classes. At Texas A&M, has never signed more than two five stars. All of a sudden, signs the number one class, eight five stars, nineteen four stars, which is four more than any other class that he's had at Texas A&M. That has the best class in the SEC. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he bought the whole class with an IL. I'm. I am saying that he's not above su- suspicion here. That when you have a spike, when you have an outlier like this, and optically, the only variable that changed was NIL. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense that when NIL's in place, school with the deepest pockets, all of a sudden vaults seven spots from the year before despite taking a step back in record. Yeah, it makes sense. I can see it. But those are just my thoughts. So I think that's going to do it today. I'll be back later this week uh, on Friday with another episode. Uh, thank you all for joining uh, for an episode of Bird Droppings. I'm Carter Bird, and I'll see you all next time. Thank you.